Hello and welcome to the instalment of the Y Football Podcast with me, Michael Dryden and Eches Adokru. Today we're doing our second instalment of the Euro 2020 preview, reviewing groups D to F of the Euros, looking at who's in their key players and where we think they'll end up in the tournament. Before we start, please follow us on Twitter at YFootball underscore and subscribe with us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and YouTube. Eches, good evening. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good. It's warm. It's, it's pretty warm. It's hot. It's yeah, very hot. I haven't got. I haven't got a phone. I've ordered one coming tomorrow, along with the basketball. Because oh, nice. shoot, yeah, I've been shooting some hoops. Uh, yeah, I just sing buckets now. So call me um, Etch Buckets. <laughs> no, you strike, <laughs> you strike me as a, like, a defensive player. Like just like fills out the uh, fills out the D zone. <laughs> Is that yeah, what you call it's it? The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically, Dryden only likes three sports: uh, cross country, hockey, and football. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, I've watched the last dance, so I know about basketball. Oh yeah, <laughs> do you now? <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Good knowledge, mate. Fair, fair enough. You've watched the last dance. That's your uh, bible to basketball. So well done to you. <laughs> how, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not bad. I just have to say that I'm actually a big fan of Turkey in this Euros. After the heat I got for the the first preview, where I said. Uh, that I think Turkey might come bottom of the group, even though I spent five minutes talking about how much I think Yilmaz is a brilliant striker and has a massive, a massively good goals per game record. So based on that, based on a little bit of a re- re- revision, I'm rooting for Turkey and putting ten pounds on Yilmaz top goal scorer um, in the tournament. Oh yeah, that sounds like absolute <laughs> fake. That's like absolute fake news, but you know what? There's a few Turkish I'll prove it. out there. You'll yeah, prove yeah. it. <laughs> okay. Well, well people give one. me some people give me some heat because, th- well, they've got Wales in the group, Switzerland and Italy. So, I mean, Wales would be the obvious choice for bottom. But I think, th- for me, the Euro 2016 kind of triumph is living long in the memory. And with Turkey an haven't age- really performed at a, a tournament for a long bail, time with an aging Bale and Ramsey. Uh he's a timeless Bale, mate. He's uh, mercurial, timeless. He's sp- he's definitely no spring chicken, but he's still got those skills, mate. But yeah, um, to be fair, I think. It's probably a sketchy call, but I'll stick with it. Got to stick with my guns. Um, so, Edge, yeah. kicking things off. You've got Group D. I've got Group D. So uh, that it consists of Croatia, um, obviously World Cup finalists, and lost. Unpopular opinion. I thought they're the better team by far that day, but lost four mm. two with Mbappe and Co. Scotland, uh, their first Euro adventure in a while. Czech Republic, and of course England. Yeah, we'll start off with Croatia, who qualified top of their group, three points ahead of Wales, uh, Dryden's favourite to the tournament. Uh, <laughs> it was a tight group with Slovakia and Hungary on 13 and 12 points, collectively with Azerbaijan rock bottom. They've been managed by Zlatko Dalic, who's been in the job since 2017. Uh, not too much to say on him. He was previously managing, um, I think he's managing Greece beforehand. <laughs> Um, but you know what? I don't actually know that for fact, and I should know that for fact. That's an absolutely great start to the podcast. Yeah, that is. It's, it's not yeah, a bad I mean... start. It's not a bad start. Zaka <laughs> Let me double check uh, where the beauty he... of the internet. Um, uh, yeah, no. So unfortunately, he was actually at Al In, so that is incorrect. But he is a manager, which is which is obviously very very good. Um, one, thing <laughs> I, one, thing, one thing I will say about Zaka Dalic is um, he's kind of overseen uh, the changing of the old guard with Croatia a little bit. Mm. Um, Sebasic and obviously Mandzukic have left the setup now as well as a few others so he's, he's trying to like push forward the new team uh, they're captained by Luka Modric um, who is an elder statesman himself mm. um, and I'd probably also give him um, the tag as their key player reason for that being is he's just you know he's still in the engine room at Madrid they're doing quite well I think he's signed a new contract there um, very very talented player as we all know yeah. Um, but it's just uh, about whether, you know, uh, in their setup, I kind of think there's no one really else you'd kind of turn to as as the main go-to. There is Kramaric who bagged 20 goals for Hoffenheim this season, yeah. which is pretty decent. I think I think Croatia aren't really the force that they used to be. A lot of their really good players are in their 30s. So even like Perisic, who you don't know what foot he is, is he left-footed, right-footed, <laughs> you know, Modric as well is getting on. You know, there are some talented players there. But it seems as if, you know, they've got Rebic as well up top. Um, you know, they've got some, some yeah, talented players. Dejan Lovren, Milan Badelj as well. Uh, yeah, and, all uh, players. yeah, and Vida, who's um, with the crazy little ponytail <laughs> Bob. He's also yeah. in his 30s. So even the guard has changed a bit. They're still kind of relying on um, aged faces to do the job. 
which um, I'm not too sure they will do. Mm. Group D is is really interesting. I'll, I'll talk about that later on in terms of where they might come. Um, but their Euro record, uh, their best Euro record is quarterfinals in 96-2008. But it's quite interesting because whoever comes second in this group, I believe, will go further than first. Um, mm. By the way, the group sits. So, funnily enough, I think Croatia will come second, which I'll go into later on. But I'll say, I'll say why I believe that's <laughs> a, a better call. Move on to the next team. So, Scotland uh, qualified via the playoffs, uh, via the nation nations nations league. Uh, they're managed by Steve Clark, formerly of West Brom, Kilmarnock, Reading. He's also in the Chelsea Youth. Uh, academy books and I think it was assistant manager for a bit as well yeah um, the captain is Andy Robertson um, who you know shouldn't be left back should be Kieran Tierney but you know <laughs> these, things, these, these things happen Kieran Tierney is so good he can play multiple positions such as the character oh, he is exactly yeah, um, yeah. so <laughs> I think Scotland are really unfortunate to have probably their two most talented players at left back um, they have a very lopsided squad where they seem to have some quite good central midfielders Two very good left backs and are kind of sparse in most other positions, um, which I'm going to go into in a second. I think the key players probably, I don't know if your fullback can be a key player. So I, I didn't go with Andy Robertson, even though I would say it would be him. John Nagin obviously stands out as this Kieran Tierney, who's arguably the best player in the world. <laughs> um, and, and uh, Scott, Scott McTominay has had an excellent season as well yeah Scott McTominay is quite good as well I, I don't know if someone of his ilk can be the key player but I think he's a very very good indeed um, he has had a very good season Che Adams I think is very good for them because, <laughs> because they've struggled uh, with goals up top their strikes have been a bit stinking so I think to get someone of Che Adams calibre had a good Premier League campaign um, is Premier League calibre which I'm not too sure that other strikers are. I think one's in the championship. The other is at... Yeah, um, Lyndon Dykes at QPR and uh, Declan Gallagher at Motherwell. I swear Sunderland yeah. would be linked with him. Just thought I'd drop that in there. Yeah, well, obviously Sunderland are a Premier League club, so he must be pretty good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just don't think... Um, yeah, I think Chadams has really changed their fortunes up top. And obviously the one to watch would be young Billy Gilmore. Hasn't yep. featured too heavily under Tuchel. Struggled with injury this season, but obviously has a very bright future ahead of him. Next yeah, one definitely. is Czech Republic. Um, you know, we all know Czech Republic quite well. Uh, they qualified second behind England in their group. They actually beat England ahead of Kosovo, Bulgaria, mm. Montenegro. They're managed by Yaroslav Slavi. I'm not too sure that's the right way to say it, but <laughs> their captain is Borek Dokal. I'd probably go with their key player being Thomas Suchek of West Ham. He's had a fabulous season, nominated for PFA yeah. Player of the Year. Has honestly been exceptional for them. Um, and I think they could they they could sneak second potentially. I don't know. I'm not too sure if they have enough around the team to kind of do it. They, they actually won the competition as Czechoslovakia in 1976, which I didn't know, uh, which I think is pretty interesting information. Yeah, I had this. I had the same fact for Slovakia in my group. <laughs> I didn't put it in there. I think I can't remember if I've got Slovakia in my group today or it's um yeah it is today yeah. So I had the same fact. Czech Republic. I used to love Czech Republic. I think it was at like the 2000, 2004, 2008. They had that unbelievable team with Barosh, with Pavel Nedved. Um, it just, they were quite outstanding. They're kind of a golden generation, Bob's that team during the Czechoslovakia era, but it just haven't really been about since. No, not particularly. And obviously, big um, Jan, Jan Koller as well, um, who obviously has just faded into the distance. But yeah, I think for them, you know, it's not going to be a positive campaign. And, and that's kind of Czech Republic summed up. And then the big one. So obviously the last few episodes I've been doing sound effects, um, yep. which haven't gone down very well. So I'm going to leave that off this time. Uh, but the final team is England. Um, you know, they qualified top of their group in the group I just mentioned because they're in Czech Republic's group. Captain by Hazard Kane. Uh, only those close to him know as Hazard. I'm not, actually his, I'm not actually his friend because obviously, you know, rival clubs, but I'm in the inner circle. Mm. Uh, one to watch is obviously going to be Jude, Jude Bellingham because all of yeah. his mates are doing A-levels or not even A-levels. His mates are learning the A-levels yet to take their exams and he's out here playing for England, which is uh, yeah. pretty impressive. Probably put Jack Grealish as well. Um, England's best record is third place in 1968, which is... Wow. Yeah, terrible, mate. It's one of those things, right, England with the Euros. I always say to people, if you didn't follow football, 
but you you know caught the gist of what was going on you would assume england are one of the most successful sides in football history in terms of international yeah. and they're just piss poor like to not to third place to not be in a final except 66 is abysmal but uh, we can do a whole pod on that so before we jump back into England's bit, I think the most difficult thing is where should they come? So I think England are going to come first, Croatia second, Scotland third, and uh, Czech Republic fourth. But I think the main problem is first place ties up with the group of death, mm. whereas second place faces, I think it's 2E, which obviously you're going to do E in a second. Now, England will face one of France, Portugal, Germany, um, which I don't think would be Germany. I think it would be one of France or Portugal mm. who are actually my finalists in my head. Um, so I would assume England would lose. Um, and then it barks the question of whether they actually want to come second, but that's very hard to actually do in football. So it'll be really interesting to see where they come because as promising as England are, it is likely that they will um, face two of the hottest if not the well the reigning world cup and euro champions which is um, no mean feat and portugal are much much better than they were in 2016 yeah so they would face yeah england finished second and they would face um group e the group i'm going to cover next to spain sweden poland slovakia which is far better i mean i suppose it's one of them things that people have saying well you've got to beat the people eventually to win the cup but you'd rather have an easier route um if if we would have beat say portugal and then the semis wasn't too difficult then that actually you know it doesn't matter if you played in the quarters or the other round of 16 in theory, but <laughs> either way, what I love about that as well is that people love saying, oh yeah, I want England to have an easy route because I want them to get to the final. As soon as we then didn't win in Russia, people were like, oh God, God, Southgate is useless. Look how easy our route was. You, have, you, you were rooting for that. You were <laughs> just expecting to win the tournament because they got a, a decent route to the final. But I mean, that was a nice route. But I still kind of think finishing second or third is still not a good thing. Uh even, you know, the likelihood is you've probably lost a game, lost a game or drawn a game as well, um, which isn't good for morale, isn't good for form. So, but then again, Portugal and France, I mean, they're, the, in, my, in my opinion, they're top two squads in the tournament. But no, I completely agree with that. And also Portugal drew all three of their group games and came third and they managed to win the Euros. So it yeah. depends on how you spin it. I mm, think, yeah, true. England England could do quite well. It's, it's hard to analyse England, right? And I had a lot of time to talk about them because I actually think they're going to go out quite quickly because I really do think they'll top the group. I just think that the Southgate's got them, as much as people like to argue and, and debate, I, I don't think the group's particularly challenging. I think... Mm. Croatia aren't the team they used to be maybe four years ago or two years ago. And I think England are, I think England are the second youngest squad in the whole tournament um, yeah, because so, yeah. they've got some really exciting players there. Obviously, we, we've spoken loads about their weaknesses in certain positions, mm. mainly central midfield with Henderson's fitness, not 100%, even though he's training and playing. And obviously, Maguire's at the back, but I still think they have a lot of talent, especially wide to really cause problems for the Croats, the Scots and the Chechia, the Chechia people. Uh, <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see where they, where they turn up. Uh, if they come second, I'll review them to actually potentially get a, a semi-final maybe, but I don't know. I really can't. I, France and Portugal for me are the final. And I think, uh, I don't know who will win it. So I, I just can't see England getting there to be honest, unfortunately. No, so um, I was going to say there's a few betting companies that have um, England as like joint favourites. I don't know. If that's, I don't know if that's because a lot of people put on a lot of bets just you know out of <laughs> hope and it brings them up the odds in that way. But um, I do think it's a bit premature when you think that you know the like the, the three best. I put I would put the three best teams in a separate bracket. I'd put Belgium, Portugal, and France in terms of squad and the quality in the first eleven in a kind of league of their own, and then I have teams like England, Germany, Italy, and Spain underneath that all with good sides all with good first 11 with a lot of good players but there's still gaps there as you said centre midfield for England centre back if, even if Aguirre's not if, even if Aguirre's fit people are doubting him if he's not fit then who's coming in even a goalkeeper I mean Pickford has been, has been excellent for England um, on the whole really was excellent at the World Cup has been hit and miss for Everton but if you compare it to other sides you've got Italy you've got Donnarumma um, you know <laughs> one of the most sought, of, sought, out, sought after keepers in the world out of contract um, you know, Spain have Unai and, and De Gea to choose from. There's Ter Stegen and Neuer at Germany. Uh, so, you know, there's there are gaps there. So you can't, I just think it's premature to make them a a top two candidate to go through, particularly with, as you said, the route they potentially have. 
Yeah, but it's coming home, which is the it, answer. It is coming to home, sorry. Any anytime you deliberate with an England fan, it's like, but it's coming home. It's like, well, you know what? You make a good case. So I have no choice but to agree with you. But yeah, yeah you are right. I, I don't really see the logic in that. Mm. But you know, we'll see. It's definitely a talented squads. I think there is, is immense talent there, but yeah, it's whether they can actually do it. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'll come back from the pub on Sunday and my flat will be burned down. So, uh, moving on to Group E, um, which I'm covering. So, we have Spain, Sweden, Poland and Slovakia uh, playing in Sevilla and they're playing in St. Petersburg as well um, in those games. Uh, so, Spain first... Uh, qualification went pretty well. Eight wins out of uh, 10, no defeats. Five points ahead of Sweden, um, also in the group, and nine points ahead of Norway, so it was pretty straightforward. Morata, Ramos, Rodrigo with four goals each in qualifying. Interesting that Ramos actually got four, was actually joint top goal scorer as well. Does score a lot of goals for his position, but um, obviously he's not um, been in contention for the squad. Had a lot of injuries, um, but we'll come on to that. Uh, their manager is Luis Enrique, back for his second spell after he left in... Um, it was 2000 and June 2019 where he left for personal reasons. I think his daughter, daughter passed away very sadly, um, but returned in November 2019. He had over 150 league appearances for Real Madrid as a player and 200 for Barca, which I mentioned because when I was reading up on this, uh, he stated uh, like when he left Real for Barca that he really felt appreciated by the Real Madrid supporters and didn't have good memories there. And I add that in because obviously there's been a debacle around the fact that he's picked no Real Madrid players which must be the, for the first time in a very long time. Um, and obviously with that kind of bad blood, there's just, that's just kind of fueled the mix of the kind of uh, speculation that perhaps it's because of his views over over Real. But I mean, we've talked about this. I mean, how many players from that Real team um, would you have in contention? Obviously, you've got, you've got Nacho Fernandez, you've got Isco and Asensio, perhaps the two more obvious choices. Um, but there isn't anyone else you'd have in there? Mate, Isco's got to go. Uh, the reason why I said that is uh, one, one of our friends uh, was had a staunch defence of Isco <laughs> and, and why he should potentially be in the squad over Adama Traore. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think any of them should particularly be in it, but... But they have, I mean, yeah, they have two spots left, don't they? So they, in theory, they should be. I mean, <laughs> but, I mean, I mean, yeah. Carvial is a potential... Yeah, right Carvial, back. yeah. Uh, and obviously Ramos himself for experience at centre-back. I'm not too sure on... Nacho and Isco, I, I don't think they should really be anywhere near it. And I think it's just testament to kind of how Madrid is shaped. They seem to have a huge influx now of Southern American talent in their yeah, team. Definitely, uh, Reina, uh, obviously Rodrigo, mm. um, Vinicius Junior, Vinicius Junior. Sorry, uh, they've already got Marcelo. Uh, they've got Eda Militao, Brazilian yeah. Casemiro, another Brazilian. So I think they've kind of focused their sh- their, their recent transfer activity to um, young talents in South America for high fees to potentially let them grow at the club, and that's hampered some of the Spanish talent, you know, they've had, you know, Romajid on the side note, because this isn't really about them, their debt's just so mad. So uh, yeah. they're not really hoovering up talents in their own country as they used to. Yeah, and you can't fill a team full of uh, non-Spanish players and, <laughs> and <laughs> argue that you're going to get in the, in the Spain squad. Um, so moving on to yeah, Spain's captain is, um, well, he won't be the captain for the first couple of games, is Sergio Busquets, who is a uh, has got COVID. Um, so he's been in isolation, as of the rest of the squad. Spain have just been in the press the whole time. Apparently, Albert had come out and said he wasn't happy that the whole squad was in isolation and, and whatnot. Um, but it's been a whole debacle. Um, Busquets is a legend, legend for Barca, one club man. Um, and Diego Lorenzo, Lorente, sorry, is also um, tested positive for COVID. So we'll see how many games he, he plays. So it might have been nice to have Ramos now, given he's a centre-half. Uh, <laughs> and they had to uh, withdraw from their final warm-up game, which I, didn't, I wasn't aware of. So they've missed one of the warm-up fixtures. Um, no, that's 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 not true. You know what actually happened? They played the under twenty one team, right? So I'm sitting here watching mm. the highlights. Oh right. And I'm thinking, and I'm thinking, I'm like, where where are the what is it? Has Sky labelled the game wrong? Because I'm just seeing under twenty one play. So I'm watching it. I'm thinking, oh, maybe it's like an under twenty one game, and Sky just labelled the video wrong. But you know, they basically played uh, their under twenty ones, but it's a professional game, so technically they all made their debuts. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, the, the, and then now. Bit. That whole squad are in a parallel squad with the standby list to train in case that there's an outbreak within the team and players need to be called up. So, yeah, that'd be an interesting one. Hopefully that doesn't happen to them. Yeah, defo, absolutely. Uh, I didn't know that. Uh, so, key player moving on. According to UEFA.com, their key player is Gerard Moreno. Um, 
who I've not seen a lot of, you have, because he played against Arsenal in the Europa League. We saw him against United in the Champions League final. It didn't necessarily light up the, um, light up the, uh, set, set the place on fire, should I say. <laughs> Couldn't get the nice get words with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think he's got 30 goal contributions in the league this season, so it is a, a significant return. Um, but other key players, uh, potentially Thiago, he put in that bracket, um, hasn't lit the, hasn't uh, set the world on fire for for Liverpool this season, um, but it's been excellent in previous clubs. And on his day, he's an absolute joy to watch. So he's a potential in there. Laporte, another one um, at centre-half, you'd have as a potential. Um, there's just quite a lot of regulars in there. So we're looking at key players. Um, there's quite a lot of regulars, quite a lot of ones to watch as well. But if we think about regulars, you've got, you've got Aspilicueta, who started the last game at right back. Uh, you've got Jordi Alba, um, who may start again, um, ahead of Jose Gaia, we don't know. Um, got Koke Rodri, who kind of regulars, a bit young, but well-known for us anyway. Uh, Sergio Busquets, Morata, quite a few regulars in there. So it's hard to pick out a key player, perhaps, because a lot of them, you see, at quite a similar level, <laughs> Bob, perhaps Morata. Um, ones to watch, uh, Pedri, uh, the Canary King, um, came from Las Palmas at the end of 2020 to go to... Um, to go to Barca. Uh, we wrote a wide football blog, or I wrote that blog around him, plugging that one. Um, a lot of good information on him there. He is, I watched a YouTube reel of him whilst in that blog, and he is just a greasy player. Like, he's been likened to Iniesta, and I do kind of hate it when people start likening players to like Andres Iniesta, like, oh, he's the next Messi, but at the same time, oh, he's the next Lee Catmull. But it's like, at the same time, uh, he is an ex- <laughs> exceptional player. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I knew you couldn't resist. The third thing was, right, I was going to say, how good is he compared to Lee Catamull? So clearly, <laughs> I spent, clearly I spent too much time with you because I'm making the same jokes. Yeah. <laughs> you probably said it a few times from me, that's why, yeah. yeah so true. Fran Torres, you put in that list for the ones to watch. Uh, Pau Torres, linked with um, Manchester United, who's at Villarreal. Uh, got Unai Simon from Athletic. Who is, why, um, by the way? Why did you put a keeper on there? Uh, you know what it is. You know why I put him on? Because cool. I actually know a little about Unai Simon, but he is... <laughs> <laughs> he is touted to be starting ahead to here. He played the last couple of friendlies. Yeah, and also Pablo Sarabia, another player who isn't perhaps as young as his kind of politic Pedri, but uh, is exciting. He's at PSG. I haven't seen too much from him. It'd be good to see him. It's one of them where players like Fran Torres, Sarabia, um, Moreno, Orizabal, for example, might not have got a chance You know, a few years ago. So it'd be interesting to see these players. They're, they're quite pacey. They're quite exciting. So Fran Torres has scored a hat-trick at senior level for Spain. So be interesting to see them um representing the countries in a, on, a, on the competitive stage and actually starting games uh euro records big for itself back-to-back titles in 2008 2012 mm-hmm. um quarterfinals in 96 and 2000 and last 16 in 2016 so let's move on because i spent quite a lot of time on spain but they are the big dogs in the group sweden i've got next on the list they came second in their group um Five points behind Spain and four pe- four points ahead of, of Norway. Robin Quaison was their top goal, top goal scorer in that qualification uh, with five goals. The manager is Jan Andersen, um, who spends pretty much all of his playing and managerial career in Scandinavia, so unknown to most. Um, took Sweden to their first World Cup in 12 years, uh, where they reached the, the, the quarterfinals, uh, losing to England in 2018. Um, but they won their uh, 2018-19 UEFA Nations League group ahead of Russia and Turkey. So there's been a lot of talk about Anderson really galvanising the Swedes and getting them um, into uh, arguably overachieving in terms of quarterfinals in the World Cup. They weren't brilliant against England that game. That was just a you know probably one of the best days of my life. Just a bit of context for listeners. I don't have kids and I haven't been, I haven't yet been married, so I'm not that sad. Uh, <laughs> but possibly the best day of my life because <laughs> it was such a great day. Uh, captain, the uh, captain is Andrew Grankwitz, um, formerly of Wigan Athletic, where he made 14 appearances before leaving. But there's many people question that decision because even though he's got 88 caps for it's for Sweden, he's not expected to start um, essentially alongside Lindelof. There's basically a, a spare spot next to Lindelof to see um, who starts. And it's interesting, he's captain. The key player is uh, Sebastian Larsson, um, formerly of Sunderland. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'll take that back. But he is in the squad. He's of uh, AIK. Um, and so he is in the squad for the Euros. Uh, the free kick specialist, but no, the, the key players, as I would agree with, UF.com have it as Emil Forsberg. He's been at Leipzig since 2015, um, attacking midfielder slash wide man, and has 58 caps for Sweden. Very technical player, um, a very creative player as well. Ones to watch, you've got Christopher Olsen, 
Um, he's a Krasnodar midfielder. Um, Formerly of Arsenal. Oh, really? Interesting fact. Yeah, Arsenal Academy. Don't worry about it. Fat Manetch. Also Sebastian Larson as well. Chuck yeah, back in there. Um, yeah, com have uh, Olsen stated as has a has a toolbox full of dribbles and smart passes that are as effective as they are easy on the eye. So I thought, which is quite a nice way of describing how a footballer plays football. Wants <laughs> uh, mm. to watch uh, Alexander Isaac from Real Sociedad um, have on that list uh, and Mark be top scorer. Robin Quyson um, for his goals. He's at Mines. Um, starting will likely be Victor Lindelof at the back. Uh, as I said, um, there will be a bit of competitiveness for whoever's starting next to him. So you've got Pontus Janssen uh, at Brentford, um, who potentially uh, could potentially uh, partner Lindelof. Philip Helander, who's apparently had a very good season at Rangers. Uh, and Marcus Danielson, um, uh, Dalian Yifang in in China, uh, other notable players, Marcus Berg is a hard-pressing forward, and I think it's kind of how the, the managers now got them galvanised and quite a hard-working unit, um, being seen as kind of one unit. You've also got Dejan Kulazveski from Juve, you'll know quite well. He has COVID as well, <laughs> um, and it's been linked with Spurs. I put in my notes, linked with Sweden, by mistake, um, but could be a useful winger if he, if he manages to break back into the team. Um Emil Krath from Newcastle is Swedish. I didn't realise that. Just thought I'd give him a notable mention um, as well. Uh, Euro record. So aside from being England's pain in the backside um, for most of the most of the two thousands <laughs> onwards, uh, they reached a semi final in nineteen ninety two as the hosts, um, but didn't break out of the last uh, Euros. Uh, break out of the group stages. Um, so little success on the Euro stage um, for a long time. Moving on to Poland, um, they enjoyed a better qualification uh, experience than than Sweden. Uh, eight wins out of 10, 25 points, finished first in their group, six points ahead of Austria and 11 uh, ahead of uh, Goran Pandov's North Macedonia. Um, Lewandowski um, with six goals for Poland. Uh, <laughs> and there's going to mention his name a few times, I think, this in this particular section. Yeah, nice. Um, You're going to keep calling him Lewandowski? Yes, I am. Fair I've enough, got that written enough. down three times in my notes. So, uh, okay, <laughs> uh, the manager is Paolo Sousa, um, who's actually only been manager since January this year, which is interesting. Quite a short stay for someone who's now going to be managing at the tournament. Uh, former Portugal midfielder who is managed at QPR, Swansea, and Leicester City, which I was unaware of. Um, at the end of the 2000s, he lasted just three months at Leicester, sacked by Milan Mandaric. How long ago does it feel since Milan Mandaric? Was well, just in football in England, yeah, no, mind, mad, isn't it? as Leicester uh, owner. The captain is Lewandowski, uh, just shy of 500 career goals um, in all competitions. Generally, 119 Poland caps and 66 goals. Interestingly, Blazikowski has more Euro goals than Louis, so just thought I'd mention that. Um, just hopefully he can break that this time. Uh, key player we have on our list, and we have, I have on my list, and as part of UF.com, is also Lewandowski. Um, but <laughs> just moving away from him, let's think about some other players. Uh, Pieter Zielinski of Napoli um, is an important creator for Poland and someone who could add a bit of quality and creativity uh, in that team and would be crucial for having someone like uh, Lewandowski and his um, goal-scoring prowess. Wants to watch, you've got Jacob Baudet, who is at um, Brighton, actually scored his first competitive goal for the Polish Against England in in March, I think he's in March. I think he spent some time away from Brighton on loan, um, but uh, is going back to Brighton for the for next season. So we might see him more in the Premier League. Uh, another creative midfielder um, as well. He was playing this season, as in second yeah. half of this season. Yeah, he played a bit this season, but I think he started on loan. Do you not? Uh, he moved, and he played against City. So I had no idea who he was against City, and they won three two um, after going down to ten men. And he was really good. Ah, oh, no, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, yeah, start of the season, Lesh Poznan. He was um, on loan, must have came back, and then obviously has uh, done well since, um, including the goal against England. The regulars in the team, you got to mention Fabianski and Chesney. Basically, Poland have um, they did very well in the 2016 Euros. They got beaten in the quarterfinals on penalties to eventual winners Portugal. Um, and a lot of these players like Fabianski and Chesney, arguably someone like um, even players like Lewandowski and, and, and Zielinski and Co. have been in the national team for a little while. So um, still a, a, a real base there in terms of quality squad, but um, perhaps not the youngest of teams. Um, 
other regulars, Jan Badnerak, absolute giant um, in the Premier, the Premier League. Masius Klitsch as well. And Gregoris Krykoriak, I believe is at PSG, if I got that wrong. Got a feeling he was at a big he, club. He was at PSG and yeah. he was also at Sevilla. Yeah, he was. Um, locomotive Moscow player. Euro record, yes. Yeah, so quarterfinals in Portugal is their best, best shout. Moving on to Slovakia. They finished coming through the playoffs. Um, so quite a tough means of getting to the Euros, beating beating Republic of Ireland on pens in the first playoff and then beating Northern Ireland um, 2-1 after extra time in the second playoff, which I thought was interesting. Mm. Um, Bosnik, Hamsik and Jura Kucic with three goals each. Um, I wasn't aware that Hamsik uh, was, still, was still playing for them, but good to see. The manager is Stefan Tokovic, um, who was initially assistant and has been promoted since ha- Pavel Hapal's uh, left the setup. Captain is Hamsik. Um, he's now 33. If you'd asked me who does he play for, I would have said Napoli, and that's incorrect. Um, he's obviously been, <laughs> was at Napoli for a long time. Uh, 400 Serie A appearances um, for the Naples club, and is always known for his absolutely nuts haircut. He would um, mm. he would take basically take Vida for his money. Um, <laughs> but he's currently at Goldberg, IFK Goldberg in in Sweden. Has 126 caps and 26 goals. Key player again, as as per Riff.com, is Mark Hamsik. Um, oh, surprise. So he's in there as well. You've also got uh, Milan Skriniar. I always think these key players, and you kind of alluded to it earlier, are often attacking players. And I'm, I kind of get that. You know, it's that's, they're the exciting elements of the teams. Um, but someone like Milan Skriniar, uh, currently at the high level, playing for Inter. You've also got Stanislav Lobotka at Napoli. Uh, so two players arguably in more of the prime than Hamsik, but he's a second playmaker. He's a legend, so I feel as if that's why he's been given up by Wiver.com. Wants uh, to watch some unknown players here is Tomas Suslov. Um, he said he told his father he would play with Marek Hamsik one day, which I thought was interesting. Uh, <laughs> must be a legend. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing, mate. I've Thank got you. some. I've always got some fantastic facts in this podcast. So he's a left <laughs> winger currently at Groningen. Um, they also have PSC wingers Robert Mack at uh, Ferran Carlos in Portugal and Albert Rusnak of Real Salt Lake. Some unknown players there who we might see light up the um, stage, Euro stage. Um, some other North players we've got Bosnik again, who scored three goals in qualifying and final. Attacking midfielder Andre Duda of Colm, uh, who's been likened to Hamsik. So. Their Euro record, uh, round of 16 in 2016, not too bad, losing 3-0 to Germany. Uh, getting through the groups is an achievement for a side, a side the size of, of Slovakia. So that would be, be good to see them in the tournament, to see Hamsi again. So Group E outlook, um, I mean, it, it kind of writes itself to an extent, I think. Uh, the only kind of thing is, well, the only kind of debate is between whether Poland or Sweden for that second place. Poland have, you'd say, more quality throughout their side, but Sweden under um, Jan Andersen, have done very well, did very well in the last Euros um, and did well in the, in the Nations League. So it actually would point towards Sweden in terms of that. In terms of that, But I can't look beyond the quality of Poland, can't look beyond Lewandowski. Poland obviously did very well in their last Euros as well. Um, so quarterfinals. So I'm going to go Spain, Poland, Sweden and Slovakia. So back to you, Hs for Group F. You sure about that one? Because you, you retracted your, uh, your I'm predictions. I'm very sure about that one. I mean, even what I just said there about Jan Anderson, I'm already starting to doubt Sweden. <laughs> but it doesn't matter, does it? Because, I mean, everyone's getting through. There are only eight teams not going through. It doesn't matter who goes through. It doesn't matter what very, I say. Very, very true. Very, very true. And on to our final group, it's the Group of Death, Group F. I checked my headphones. I thought they were, they were like breaking up. <laughs> Just thought I'd put a round of applause in there. For I'm very happy with that. I'm very happy with uh, that. No worries about that. I've got to put some sound effects in. Uh, so we'll kick off with the team that's literally going to come last, let's be honest. I'm um, sorry, but Hungary. Mm. Um, so Hungary uh, qualified. They were qualification group E. They went through via the playoffs, beating Bulgaria and Iceland. Uh, they played eight, won four, lost four. Eight against eight four eleven against. Uh, their manager is actually Marco Rossi. I was expecting like a Hungarian or like a Central European, but he's an Italian. He played uh, top flight football for a time in Italy for mm. a bit, and then sifted through some other leagues in Italy before managing in his native country. Before moving to a few Hungarian sides, before going on to the national team. So a very interesting career from him. Yeah. 
Their captain is Adam Slezai, who applies his trade in tra- plays his trade applies his trade in Germany, representing <laughs> <laughs> representing Mines, uh, representing Mines and formerly Schalke and Hoffenheim. So the key player would obviously have been Dominic Slavoslav, mm. uh, but unfortunately he's missed the tournament through injury, which is, right. which is very sad. So Yof.com have gone for defender Willy Orban. He plays for Leipzig, nice. if you've seen him this season. He's a good defender. Uh, a unit is how I'd best describe him. Uh, but somehow, which is why I've given him their key player, he was top scorer for them in qualifying with three goals. Yeah, I was, I, was about, half. I was about to say it's damning that Hungary are the only team with a key player as a defender, <laughs> but seemingly yeah. he gets goals like Ramos does. Yeah, he does. So three goals in qualifying. Uh, their record is they came third in 1964. So we'll move on to the first of the big three, which is Portugal. Uh, Portugal. So what, Portugal did not come top of their group. They actually came second behind Ukraine, which is very interesting. Yeah. I thought they would steamroll their group. Um, their top goal scorer was Cristiano Ronaldo with 11 goals. Obviously, um, not no surprise from Ronnie. Mm. Um, their manager is Fernando Santos, the mastermind of their 2016 triumph. He picked yep. uh, the almighty King Eder. I hope he's feeling <laughs> well. Uh, he'll be sleeping well. <laughs> Eder, if you're listening, I hope you're sleeping well and resting up, mate. Because <laughs> He's written himself into the history books. Um, Santos had previously managed Greece, which is where I got that Greece fact from. Oh, miles off nice. when I said it, but Greece, Benfica, and Porto over quite a long career. Obviously, Portugal being the the, the pinnacle for him in terms of success. Obviously, the captain is R nine, R nine, R seven, with one hundred and four goals in one hundred and seventy five games. He's an absolute animal, but he, he's 37 in Feb. So you'd think the 2022 World Cup is his last tournament. This would definitely be his last Euros. So mm. I'm expecting really big things from him if he can affect the game in any way, because uh, I really do think this is the last time we'll be seeing Ronaldo on uh, a Euro stage. I mean, he'd be 39, 39, 40-ish by the time the next one's around. And as phenomenal as he is, I think even he would like to... Uh, Take a rest. Um, the key player for Portugal is obviously Ronaldo. But Portugal, as we mentioned earlier, probably have the best squad along with France. So yep. we've got, um, obviously, I, I've been learning how to pronounce uh, Portuguese names. So watch uh-huh. out. Brilliant. Uh, we've got uh, João Felix, uh, Bernardo <laughs> Silva, Bruno Fernandes. And Who? so... You, Bruno Fernandes. Bruno Fernandes. Bruno Fernandes. Uh, yeah, I got that one wrong. <laughs> but the next one is my favourite. So... There's a guy who plays for Valencia, I believe, still, and I've highlighted his name, and I know that you're going to say it wrong. So how do you say the name? Uh, based at? on what I've just said, I'm going to say Guesh. Uh, it's it, yeah, it's Gonzalo Getch. Ah, is that is that one of those YouTube videos where they like they do footballers' names? <laughs> no, you know what? Someone he had he had a informed card on Ultimate Team. And the guy is Portuguese. I reviewed the video and said that, and I was like, "Yeah, fair." So, yep, yeah, I recall that video we watched where it was like someone in uh, was it Gabon trying to pronounce, or was just trying to pronounce yeah. Aramiang, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was jokes. Um, so the record is obviously they've won uh, the they're the reigning champions basically, which is which is very good. So I think the question for Portugal is, you know, are they actually the favourites? It's an extremely tough group, um, but their team is packed with talent. I mean, we spoke before about the third place thing. It's likely they'll um, come third anyway, but you know the team is packed with talent for real. We mentioned the players earlier, but you've also got Cancelo, Guerrero, Diaz, Andre Silva, Pepe, Rui Patricio, Nuno Mendes, who's up and coming, you know, uh, Gonzalo Gedge, uh, I mentioned earlier. They've just got talent everywhere. Rafa Silva, but they've, they've got such a brilliant squad at the moment and they've left home some good players. So I think they'll be really, really hard to stop and obviously have that momentum from the last Euros. I think they'll be galvanised by Ronnie really trying to you know, turn it on for his, what should be, you never know, with someone like him, his uh, final Euros. There is no Adair this time, um, but their squad's got even better from that last tournament. So it'd be, it'd be really interesting to see how they do. But yeah, I expect them to go all the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, just uh, like to say, I watched their game against Israel, I think it was last night. And it was just like, a sh- it was like, you know, when you play like FIFA drinking games and you like, you're trying to score specials from like 25, 25 yards out so your friend has to drink. They were just they were just knocking balls from like 30 yards. <laughs> and to be fair, Bruno Fernandes did actually score an absolute screamer. So 
but yeah, some some very technically gifted players there. Yeah, very much so. So the next team up is France. Uh, they qualified top of Group H, uh, played 10, won 8, drew 1, lost 1, ahead of Turkey, Iceland. Turkey, who Ryan said are going to come last in their group. Uh, <laughs> Iceland, Albania, Andorra, and Moldova. Top scorer was Olivier Giroud, who is also six goals off Henri's France scoring record, which, as much as I like Giroud, he is in some brilliant company. And it, he does, unfortunately, stick out like a sore thumb not because he's not a good player he, he is very good but you know we're talking like Henri Zidane Platini Papin you know Griezmann players that I would say at certain points in time have been the best or at least top 10 in their position in the world so the list is actually Henri 151 Giroud 46 Platini 41 Griezmann 37 Trezeguet again from brilliant player 34 Zidane 31 brilliant player Just Fontaine brilliant player again on 30 Jean-Pierre Papin another one Yuri Jokayev Karim Benzema you know these guys are all at, so, at one point in time I would say top 10 of the world in their positions at least yeah absolutely. some some a lot higher I'm being very generous there you know some of these guys were talking top four or five top three some of them top two or even the best so Giroud never really has been in that bracket um but you know he, he's got the records he's got the caps as well he's scoring at a quicker rate than Henri I believe so hats off to him um yeah it's been the press today fair, about man. apparently <laughs> it took a sweat apparently a clean Mbappe for not passing the ball to him in training uh <laughs> or just generally it's been the press today about unrest yeah. in the France squad no, apparently they hugged it out. Um, yeah, that's so, nice. Yeah, so it's good to hug it out. So, yeah, that's that's Giroud. So Didier Deschamps is the manager who is probably one of the most complete ballers of all time. He's obviously won the Champions League, multiple league titles, and the World Cup as a player, and the Euros as a player. And then as a manager, he's already won the World Cup. So if he manages to get to the Euros, obviously they lost in the final to Portugal last time. Yeah. He's essentially completed football, really. I mean, to win the two biggest honours in international ball, as well as doing it as a player, I think is an exceptional thing. He's also won the CL. So I think yeah. he just went back <laughs> and managed the Champions League team and did that. Then he's literally completed it uh, full circle. He's been in the setup for a long time. Uh, the World Cup team, so quite a few of them haven't been picked this time around, but the, the, the core of the team is still there, mostly in terms of Mbappe, Griezmann, Varane's still there. I know Titi's not there, but Kimpempe's come through and was in the last squad. Yeah. Uh, Lloris has been captain for a very long time. Giroud's still there. Um, you know, people like Thomas Lamar have come back in. Dembele's fit. Coman's fit. I mean, the team is looking really, really good. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad, is it? Okay, it's looking brilliant. I mean, key players, obviously, Killian, Dillian, Mbappe. Is that... Yeah, that's a nice middle name. All oh, right, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, just thought I'd just give him that name anyway. Um, they, but, they, <laughs> you know, their squad is jam-packed with talent. I mean, Benzema, Griezmann, Nagolo Kante, Paul Pogba, um, Dembele, Varane, Komen, Ben Yedder. It's a great squad. Uh, the absolute weak link, though, is Mr. Sissoko. <laughs> they love Sissoko in the front They do, team. but he's he's been quite poor. Generally. I think that's kind of the one area they're not particularly strong in, like um, defensive central midfield. Well, they've basically got Tolisso, uh, Tolisso, Kante, uh, Sissoko and like Rabiot. I don't think that's exceptional. Uh, Kante is exceptional, FYI. And I think Tolisso is also very, very good. Um, Rabiot obviously plays for a big team. I'm not as sold on, but I think he's just, he's playing in a position where I don't think there are many players like him playing well enough to be in the France squads. So I think he's a bit fortunate um, to be in it, but mm. fair enough to him. Same with Leo Dubois, who I don't know a great deal about, uh, right back, who's in the squad as well. Um, but apart from that, they're literally all stunners. Uh, their record <laughs> is they won it in 18... Yeah, I said stunners. <laughs> I'm not... Fair I'm, I'm going to keep... Nothing from me. So. Nothing from me. Uh, <laughs> their record is they won it in 84 and 2000. Um, and they look to win it again to avenge their 2016 loss. Final team in the group, um, you know, is Germany. Uh, yeah, Germany. Yeah, they're, they're, they're stinking. To describe Germany in one word, it's stinking at the moment. Uh, <laughs> they they qualified in their group. Top scorer was Serge Nabry. Came ahead of Holland, Northern Ireland, Belarus and Estonia. Managed by Joachim Love, He is stinking. Joachim Love. So obviously to anyone out there who hasn't seen what Joachim Love gets up to on the bench during games, <laughs> you, you, need, you need to watch a YouTube compilation. The guy is foul. 
why is he picking his nose and eating it? And yeah, like smelling it. Loads of stuff. <laughs> yes, forgot about that. Why is he smelling his bum for? He's actually, honestly, I'm not even, I'm not even joking. The guy actually smells his, his bum. You can't do that. Like, that that's, is mad. It's good luck, man. That's that's how he wins football matches. You, you don't win World Cups just, well, he's not won the World Cup. Oh, he has won the World Cup, of course. Um, You don't win World Cups without good, good omens, do you? If I see my coach smelling his own bum with his fingers, I'm not listening to him. <laughs> I'm not listening to you. What? Why are you? You can't be a grown man picking your nose. No, that's that's too much. After that, I just lost. So yeah, he's stepping down after the tournament, and and good because that that's a bit too mad for me. Um, <laughs> I think we'll go on to Germany's flaws a bit later on, but they're captained by Manuel Neuer. He obviously know very well, very good keeper and, and, and brilliant captain. Uh, the key player is kind of hard to decipher. I went with Tony Cruz, uh, kind of the elder statesman. He's 31, so not extremely old, but mm. part of the World Cup winning squad is in basically in the engine room for them for years. Uh, extremely talented player. Um, I kind of went with him. I put Slash Kimmich as well. Extremely important player, but a bit younger. Uh, wants to watch, I've got Neuhaus, Florian Neuhaus, uh, Sane and Havertz, um, Miller and Werner as well. Some talented players mm. in their squad. Werner's movement, I think, is exceptional. Even yeah, though it is, yeah. His finishing can be pretty wayward. Yeah. Havertz, um, extremely talented as well. And Sane, we know what he can do too. Um, their, their record is they've won it in 72, 80 and 96. But going back to Germany generally, I mean, they've been on such a slump. I mean, they got relegated from the Nations League. You know, they've recalled players that allegedly weren't getting picked again for the new cycle, which I think is very, very damaging for a manager. Yeah. I think you can admit a manager's wrong. We've seen Deschamps do it with Benzema. We'll see how that works. But I think Benzema was linked to an internal problem within the team, not his talent. These guys were essentially said, you know, your cycle is done. We don't need you anymore. To turn to them right before the tournament, it's a bit suspect. Yeah. They've called up Kevin Volland, who hasn't played for a long time. Kevin them, Volland. Which is also a bit suspect because it's like, you know, he's not particularly that young. He's not 20 or 21. So why are you bringing these guys back in now? I think it says a lot. Managers can always admit they got it wrong, but mm. it seems like it's panic stations with Germany. Uh, you know, they lost to North Macedonia. Spain sold them six premium bratwursts <laughs> in a game last year. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Torres got a hat-trick in that game and they looked lost. They've not looked good since, um, to be honest with you. And it, as talented as their squad is, I actually think it would be pretty ugly for them. It's teed up for um, a new coach to come in and kind of rejuvenate them. Um, it's kind of how I see it uh, panning out for them in this tournament, unfortunately. But they've still got great talent. And because of the way the third place thing works, they could galvanise themselves like Germany, not Germany, Portugal in the last tournament and go on a bit of a run. But I'm not too sure. Yeah, I think that. I think I might be wrong. I'm pretty sure the third place in the group will play. Um, and I got this wrong before, around second place. But I think they might play against Belgium's group. So... That would be interesting to see if Germany do face Belgium in that. But I mean, getting out of a group with those two in, it means that unless they do face Belgium, they might have not a not so difficult um, run. Hopefully, but for them anyway. Uh, unpopular opinion around Kai Havertz. Ball goes through Champions League final. He takes a really heavy touch. If that ball doesn't hit Edison, maybe I'm saying something obvious here, but if that ball doesn't hit Edison, it's going. It's he's not getting there. A very unpopular opinion, I think. And if there's any Chelsea fans listening. You know, you can come at my DMs. We'll have a chat. Because it smacks off Edison. I just don't think he scores that goal if it doesn't hit him. Thoughts? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like you want to fight a few Chelsea fans, to be honest. <laughs> no, it's just, you, it's just, you know what? I'm, all, I'm happy for Everts, but there's so much hysteria. It's one of them things that, in a way, he's, it hasn't hit the ground running, but scores a goal in the Champions League final. Suddenly, he's the star. But actually, you know, um, I mean, it's great movement as well. But... Uh, but yeah, we'll see, uh, it'd be really interesting. It will be interesting to see him and Werner at that competition as well, just to see how they are. We've seen them for Chelsea. We have been uh, underwhelmed to an extent, even though, as you said, um, they're both talented. Werner's got great movements. They've they've played in a side under Tuchel anyway that has achieved the goal under Tuchel of getting fourth and then won the Champions League. So you can't throw too much shit at them. But I think it'd be really interesting to see uh, how they actually play on a different side other than Chelsea, just to see... I don't know. Is it something to do with the price tag or the move or something like that? Is back in Germany, back in um, German colours, are they the players they they were before? I think one one point to note about this group as well, which I thought was interesting, is that they're playing the games in the Allianz and somewhere else. Somewhere else that's not France or Portugal, which I thought was interesting. I was thinking if it's in Paris, 
there's just no chance. <laughs> no yeah. one's no one's got a chance. But it's actually played in Germany, so that'd be quite interesting because out of the three you've mentioned, yeah, they're possibly the weaker of the three. Just excluding Hungary for a second. Um, <laughs> poor Hungary. Uh, and so, yeah, it'd be interesting that they've got home advantage. That might make things a bit more interesting um, rather than just France and Portugal can perhaps run away with it. Yeah, I think... Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. It's an interesting one with the group generally because we don't know how it's going to pan out. I think the top two teams are so strong. Germany shouldn't be written off because at the end of the day, it's three group games. But I just don't really see... You know, I, even if it's been playing the Allianz, I, I just can't... I just can't see it for Germany. I really just can't. I think France are too well oiled and well drilled. And I think the same for Portugal. But it could be a surprise. I think if there's a shock result in the opener or when they face each other, because whoever loses it when they face each other is, you know, on a massive negative. But then, as you said, because of the way third place works out, they could then end up facing Belgium, which isn't really an ideal situation. But I also think if one of the top two teams don't go through that method they would go past belgium in my opinion i think france and germany france and portugal would overpower belgium so mm. it's one of those where i think it'll be really interesting to see how these three teams progress in the tournament because i think they all have the capabilities to win their their final their next leg should they all go through yeah um yeah the group actually finished with portugal france um no sorry france then portugal germany and hungary i think france and portugal will be the final for me there's, there's normally a team that kind of upsets someone along the way. Um, I think there's Italy have the potential to do that. But again, I just think France with uh, back-to-back finals, to be honest, uh, final at the World Cup, yeah. final at the Euros. The team, I think, is getting marginally better. There's been some, some a few younger players who have supplemented them and have come back into form. Um, so I think this is kind of them now. I think they'll definitely be there. It could be Portugal that drop out maybe for the final, but yeah, that's my group um, Group F for the Euros. So really excited for it. Obviously kicks off tomorrow. Um, can catch Turkey actually, who yet again, you said we're going to come last. So I'm supporting them. I'm, I've, you know, I've actually turned a corner. I've seen the light. Um, I will be supporting Yilmaz uh, in this competition and Yilmaz only. Um, England, you not get my support. I'm sorry to hear him. I'm bet Gareth's <laughs> devastated. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so we'll wrap up there. It was a long one, but, you know, the Euros do kick off tomorrow. Thank you, Matches, for um, the Group F and Group D um, analysis there. And, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Please continue to subscribe with us on our, on our platforms or do so if you haven't already. And, and we'll see you next time. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys.